0: so you live uh, give it in memory of David Wicks a student of our Yeshivat HaMiftar and a supporter a very special person who was killed in that uh, tragic uh, crane accident in New York, New York City okay what I'd like to try to explain I'd like to talk about a little about the Mishkan about the tabernacle now the Mishkan is uh, you might say is a little bit problematic this whole, this whole idea that God is some place as opposed to being every place is an idea that that was difficult for the Jewish people to absorb i mean it 's true that you can say anything about God. You say God is someplace. And God is every place. You can say that. And yet, we feel somehow that God granted us a certain amount of intelligence. And we should use that intelligence to understand whatever it is that we might be able to understand. So, when God said to build a mishkan, to build a tabernacle In a particular place uh, We can legitimately ask uh, Why in a place? Isn't God In every place? So There are a few things That I'd like to go through This evening that might relate To that general question The first pasuk In our parasha In the parasha Vayikail, he says He got everybody All the Jewish people together And Moshe Rabbeinu said to them And what continues These are the things that God wanted you to do The first thing That God uh, Told Moshe Rabbeinu to teach B'nai Yisrael was that they have to build A tabernacle and these two parashiyot by Yaakov Pekude are about building the tabernacle. Rashi says, "You see, Rashi, the Yom It was the day after Yom Kippurim, the tenth of Tishrei, when Moshe Rabbeinu went down from the mountain. Right? Vehu l'shon hifil. Hifil. Hifil means." I make you do it. Right? So that's what Vayakhel means. How does vayakel come out to be uh, You know, uh, what Rashi explains is that, that uh, uh, his words, the words of Moshe Rabbeinu caused everybody to collect together. That was the cause of it. That's if That there's some kind of a causality uh, principle. So Rashi says two things. Rashi says two things. And one is that it was L'macharat Yom HaKippurim. The day after Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippurim was the day, even though there was no Yom Kippurim yet. But it was the day that Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai. The second time. We've gone through this several times But Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai On the sixth day of Sivan When we celebrate Shavuot Which is also the celebration of receiving the Torah Right? Shavuot Receiving the Torah Moshe Rabbeinu was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights Moshe Rabbeinu came down and saw That the people had built this golden calf he was in the machane, in this uh, camp, in the camp of Bnei Yisrael for 40 days and 40 nights, arguing, praying, uh, clarifying, somehow managing to get Am Yisrael back on track. And then he went up on the mountain again, went up on the mountain again for 40 days and 40 nights, which ended, if you just count, could have certainly ended, on Yom HaKippurim. Yom HaKippurim, Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain, and started teaching the people what they had to know immediately, which was build the Mishkan. (coughs) Build the Mishkan. Now, this brings us to the other question. The other question, we all remember that the parashiot of Truma and Tzavah are also about building the Mishkan. So actually, in the Torah, it happens Twice build the Mishkan. This is what you should happen. Pekudeh, build the Mishkan. Now, what's in between the two tellings of the story? In between is the Maaseh Aega, the building of the golden calf. Right, that's in between. Truma golden calf. By Yaakov Pekudeh, right? By Yaakov Pekudeh, we know was said to Bnei Yisrael when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain. On Yom when was Truman Tetzaveh told to B'nai Yisrael? When? We don't know. So, we, we, you know, it would be hard to say that Truman Tetzaveh are just a repetition of Ye- Yaakov Pekude backwards. You know, like, why would that be necessary? So we have that question. We have that question which hovers over all the discussions of so here it says, here we look at the Tanhuma. the Tanchuma is a Medrash Agadah, an Agadic Medrash, which means that it explains the non-Halachic parts of the Torah. Rashi knew the Tanchuma Baal Peh, as you see, you go through his commentary on the book of Bereshit, it's again and again quoting the, quoting the Tanchuma. Anchum is the name of uh, the name. It's a name of a person. Vassuli Mikdash Veshachanti B'tochami. Now you have to think. This is a quote of a pasuk. Vasuli Mikdash. You will make a mikdash for me, a a temple, a tabernacle, Shachanti Bitokham, and I will dwell within them. Now this pasuk. Vasudi appears at the beginning of the parasha of Truma. I mean, I, I, I know this could be a little confusing. Again, just remember, Truma and is before the Egel, then the Egel, then by Yakel and Pekude after the Egel. This pasuk, Vasudi mitdachshu is a tsvui. You'll do it, you'll make it, and I will dwell within you. This was part of the parasha of Truma. In other words, in the Torah, it takes place before the Masa And just if you just look at the order of things in the Torah, it takes place before the Masaegal. The Medrashtan Fumah says this Ne'ematai a Azov mishkan. When when was this said again? What are we talking about? Truma, truma, the parasha of truma. He says, "Bi yom It must be Bi yom but but we know that there's something wrong with that because we know that after yom HaKippurim, we have a yakel pikude. What do I need it in truma tizavet? Right, uh, continue so the Tanchuma says even though the story of the Mishkan is told twice in the Torah it happened it must have happened after the Masah eger after they built the golden calf why? right? שֶׁנֶּאֱמָר שֶׁל תּוֹרָה אַבֵּי so the talmud says well i don't care i don't care that it seems odd <laughs> It's Aimukda Mukhabatura. Sometimes things are written before they should be written. Aimukda Mukhabatarah. We've talked about this on different occasions. There's no necessary necessary chronological order. But if there's a disorder in the Torah, okay. Lonorat. Lonorah. That's what the Tanfuma says. So again, according to the Tanfuma, what came first? The Aegel. The Chita Eigel. What came after the Chita Egel? the Mishkan Ah, you have two versions of the same thing in the Mishkan one before the Chayda and the other after the Chayda Egal so okay so we have it that way there's nothing we can do about it Then, and then he goes on and he says b-shisha. how do we know all of this b-shisha b-sivan. right the sixth day of Sivan what happened on the sixth day of Siban? What happened? It's the day that we call We call it Matan Torah But it's not The day of Matan Torah What is it the day of? In, in English In English theophany. Right? In Hebrew In Hebrew Right? They, were, they became aware Of something and what did they become aware of on the sixth day of Sivan? That God would give a Torah. How did they become aware of that on the sixth day of Sivan? Because God taught them the Aseret brought, The Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are part of the Torah. So God gave these Ten Commandments to B'nai Israel. So B'nai Yisrael understood that this could really happen. I mean, there could be. There could be a, a situation in which uh, God gives them something. Right? He was there on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And then another 40 days in the camp. That's 120 days altogether. And therefore you find that on Yom kippurim they achieved atonement. And on that day he V'shachanti b'tocham on that day, which is that day, which is the that day we are talking about. We're talking about Yom well, Kippurim. On that day, it said that the God said to the Israel Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu, "Vasuli mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham." Where does it say "Vasuli mikdash v'shachanti" in the Torah? Which parasha? Truma, Truma, again. You can see I'm not getting through here. Yeah, yeah. Truma, right? <laughs> Truma ki tisava yakel pikudeh. So this pasuk, which the Tanfuma said, could only have been said on Yom Purim. could only be on Yom Purim. when in fact, when, uh, where, where in fact is it written? It's written in Truma. And Truma t'taveh are the pashyot that come be... For the Sheikh uh, But the Tanchuma has an idea that it's not going to give in on. So look at this. Again, and all the nations should know that the are like, what's the sign that they've achieved? Atonement for the sin of the egel. Well, God says, build a mishkan, build a tabernacle, and let's let's use that tabernacle. That's why it's called mishkan, tabernacle, eidut witness. Because this is the way all of the people in the world know. That the Kadosh Baruch actually dwells in your tabernacle, in your temple. Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu yavoza hafshav a mishkan v'ychapel zahafshon ha'egel. So Kadosh Baruch says, so we'll build it. We're using gold. We'll put gold in this in this mishkan, and your this gold will atone for the gold that you used to build the. The Egil, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. After all, it says that all of the people kind of took off their jewelry, their gold jewelry, the women, and they gave it. They donated for the for the egel hazahav, the chay mitkafrim zahab and therefore we know that you reach atonement v'zahav. V'zot zahav that the gold somehow is going to be the, the instrument of atonement so what is it what is it that the I mean, how can you like summarize this Tanchuma this is a wonderful Tanchuma because it contains an idea that is I think should resonate in the world today contains an idea and that idea is that the Mishkan the existence of the Mishkan is for kapara for atonement and what atonement is achieved, who is being atoned for what B'nai Yisrael are being atoned for building the golden calf that's it and if you ask me about the order of things, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but no doubt that, that that pasuk at the beginning of the parasha of Truma, Vasuli Mikdash, Rishachanti, B'Tocham, right, that that pasuk is part of Yom Kippur. It's part of it, according to the Talmud. It's all part of Yom Kippur. Uh, why is it written twice in the Torah? I don't know. Why is it written once before and once after? I don't know. According to the according to the Talmud, what do I know? What do I know that the Mikdash was built because of a situation that was generated by the people? They built the Egel Azahav. And therefore, we needed a Mishkan. We needed that tabernacle. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean if they had not built the Mishkan, had not built the golden cap, we wouldn't need a Mishkan? Maybe that's, that's how we should explain it. We said, what is Truman and That's built the Mishkan before the Chait HaEga. What's Mayakel pekudei? build the Mishkan after the, the Egel. The commands are the same, but the purpose may be a little bit different. In originally the Mishkan was supposed to be the place of God in this world. And the way we understand it, the way many Fashima um, understand it, it was the job of Am Israel to Create a place for God in this world. And we, and that place in this world that we create for God is called Beit HaMikdash. It's a place, and we insist that God's availability to man in that place is somehow greater, enhanced, overwhelming, right? More than. All of that, all of that is, uh, is what we say. But the second time the command to build the Mishkan was brought down in the Torah, it was a little bit different. It was still build a place for God. But also build a house that would generate atonement for B'nai Yisrael, for the Chait HaEgel that they had, had done. So that you could say that there was really Tabernacle 1 which was mostly about <coughs> creating a place and which was given to Moshe Rabbeinu or taught to Moshe Rabbeinu before he went up to get the Torah in Harsinai like so he's get? Shemot for Bo B'Shalach remember the book of Shemot? Shemot v'erebo b'shalach are Those four parashiyot, Yitziat Mitzrayim They're all about getting us out of Mitzrayim After that There's the, the parashiot of Yitro and Mishpatim Yitro and Mishpatim The Torah You get the Torah Yitro is mostly the Ten Commandments Yitro is all kinds of other stuff Right? Slavery Uh, relationships damages it's all in in Mishpatim after Mishpatim comes what? Truma Truma, right? so now we could say that Truma is really part of Mishpatim Mishpatim says that there are a lot of laws that are in effect through the Torah (laughs) Bein Adam Lecha and Truma says, there's also laws about Bega Adam Makom, which for the central one is the, is the Mishkan. But the first time that the Mishkan was taught to B'nai Yisrael, the emphasis is on uh, the place. Uh, God will have a place in this world. And that's the Mishkan. That's what the Mishkan says. Which doesn't contradict somehow the idea that God is every place. But God is more in one place than every place. This is like this is like a problematic notion. But along comes the Tanchuma with great finality, with great seriousness. The Tanchuma says that the uh, second, the second time that Moshe taught B'nai Israel about the Mishkan, he the Pasuk in Truma Vasuli Mikdash, Rishachanti B'tocham, right? That that really applies also to the second Mishkan, which is going to be a Mishkan of Shachanti B'tocham, that God says, this will be my place, right? Mishkan. But also, it will afford atonement to all of the people who need atonement so badly, because as you remember, that even though God forgave the people for building the Egel Azahav, the golden calf, He forgave them. But that doesn't mean that the hate was wiped out and disappeared. It just means that they weren't going to be destroyed. But what happened to the hate The Chet as well and the Apostle says that whenever I punish B'nai Yisrael... I will punish them a little bit for the Chayta Egel as well. So I'll try to summarize this. The Beit HaMikdash was originally Shachanti B'Tochah, the place where God will reside. But eventually the Beit HaMikdash also became the central place of atonement, where B'Neh Israel received atonement all year long if they did uh, if they transgressed bishogeg, they would bring a hatat a, uh, a sin offering which would somehow lead to atonement and on yom HaKippurim on yom HaKippur, there was this grand atonement led by the kohen gadol led by the kohen gadol who who enabled all of am yisrael uh, atonement so that in fact there was sort of two mishkanim. There were two tabernacles. The first one was about the place, and the second one was about atonement. Now you could say that it's always there. You know, the atonement is always there, but the emphasis on atonement came after the chayta egel, and that's what the talmud. That's what the Chanchuma teaches us. And the Chanchuma says that. Rashi Rashi said, this this command was given by Moshe Rabbeinu to B'nai Israel the day after Yom Kippurim, And the command was, build it fast. Build it immediately. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't do other mitzvot. Don't go looking for a lulav and Don't go looking for a matzah. Don't do other mitzvot. Do this one. Do this one, because this mitzvah will afford you salvation in difficult times. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said, and, and the Pasuk, Vasuli Mikdash Veshachanti Bitocham Veshachanti Bitocham I will dwell in their midst, my place will be with them, which implies kapara atonement. And that's the position of the of the Tanfuma. Wrong, it seems that um, Tanchuma puts a big emphasis on Zahar and I mean so how does I mean if he's saying that that's the main reason then how how does he deal with that (laughs) I don't know Ah. I don't it's it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to deal with what he says than to say what about that so then it becomes what I say or what you say so let's forget about it for the time but you're right you could ask that question I'm definitely not uh, not waving it away okay. but I don't have any, any information that could lead me to say that the Tanfuma had an answer to that question mm-hmm. so now look what I want to do now what I want to do now is learn a chapter of the Tanya you know that the Tanya is uh, the ideological work of uh, Shreya Zalman of Liadi who Mlad- what? Eh? Rav Zalman of Liadi. Milani No, I said it right. I'll say it again. Rav Zalman of Liadi. Rav er Zalman was the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he was a Talmud of the great Magid the mes, uh, of Mezritch. Right? He was. He was a Talmud and he um, his job eventually was to spread um, Hasidut to spread Hasidut in Russia he became, uh, you know, the Talmidim of the Magid, spread out and they each got a country you know, or what we would call today a country, even though in some places the borders were not so clearly defined, so there were Polish there was Lithuania, there was Russia there was Germany, all of these countries were under the control of some student of the of Mizrich. So the Balatanya, the Balatanya, called Balatanya because of this book that he wrote, which is called Tanya, or Likute Amarim, right, a collection of statements where he explains, uh, uh, statements in Chazal that he feels are very important ideologically and the necessary to understand so in this um, so I I, uh, I asked them to print it up in English because I thought it would be more efficient that way uh, you know that Titania appears in this wonderful uh, this wonderful edition which is uh, you know the Hebrew text and an English translation and footnotes and introductions it's really terrific and and uh, you could always um, you could always get one from your local Lubavitcher Shalif. What do you say to the shliach? You say, if I don't get a tanya fast, I'm going to intermarry, <laughs> and then they, they bring it to you immediately. Like, you know, you know they have they have like a, a, a certain outlook on the world. You know, like I think that that's included, but that's an important thing in, in a lot of places in Chutzlar you say. If I can't get the trip to Israel, I'm going to intermarry. So you get a ticket right away. You know, it's like. So anyway, the Balatanya, the Balatanya, who was in terms of, of <clears throat> I mean, I'm going to say something a little bit rash, but I think it might be it might be true that in terms of learning, and uh, and understanding, the Balatanya was really unique. He was a, a very remarkable Talmud Chacham. And, and not that much to do with what today is Lubavitch. Lubavitch today is a little bit different than it was in his time. His time was very small, but also his ideas were very were very unique. What I'd like to do is learn chapter thirty four of the Tanya, which is about which is about the Mishkan. That's what it's about. We'll learn it in English. He wrote it in Hebrew. He wrote in Hebrew, but I think it'll be easier for us if we, if we do the English. The English uh, translation, I've always found, is very good. The footnotes are very helpful. And then this, this volume also contains um, articles in English about the uh, principles of uh, Kabbalah and the relationship of the Baatanya to the Kabbalah. It's, it's, I think it's an important book. It's a very important book. If you know that story... You know that story that uh, Rabbi salvation from Boston, Rabbi salvation when he was a child, his father hired a teacher to teach him, which was more or less the, the regular way they did it. Certainly if you had a child who was brilliant, you didn't want him to waste too much time by going to school. So you hired a teacher to to teach him, and that was a great thing. So the person who was hired Rabbi Soloveitch spoke, spoke about him on different occasions but the man who was hired happened to be a Lubavitcher Chassid so besides teaching what he was supposed to teach Rabbi Soloveitch he surreptitiously uh, taught him Tanya and when he was an adult he Rabbi Soloveitch he remembered the Tanya Baal because of what his, and, and apparently the first to discover this was his mother, who went into a panic because she was a real Litvak. You know, she, what's going on? So she ran to her husband, who surprisingly was also a real Litvak, but he, he wasn't that excited about it. He thought as long as he's learning, you know, and he's making progress at what he's really supposed to be learning, that would be all right. So there you have it, Rabbi salvation became very knowledgeable in Tanya. Uh, Agavurcha, right? By the by. It wasn't intended, but it happened. What does Tanya mean? Tanya is the, an introduction to a Tanaitic statement. Like a Braita or a Mishnah in the Gemara. They say Tanya. It in the first chapter he quotes a Mishnah. that so the first word in the book is Tanya so it's called Tanya but he, he called it likutei uh, uh like uh, putting together a lot of statements a lot of different statements that's what, that's what he said it is well known that the patriarchs themselves constitute the charity in Chazal charity. Uh, the Avot are called the Merkava Merkava meaning That something can sit on it And move from place to place And so who sits on the Merkava? Akadosh Baruch. So if you say that the Avot are the Merkava So that means That they brought God into the world That before Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov Everybody was an idolater And and idolatry is the chasing God out of this world. So the Avot, the Avot to Chazal, were the Merkava. They brought God into this world as though they were the chariot. As though they were the, the chariot. For throughout their lives, they never for a moment ceased from binding their mind and soul to the Lord of the universe with the aforementioned absolute surrender to His blessed unity okay, so in other words the Chidush what the Balatanya is saying is that it, it, never, it never faltered this relationship which created a charity you couldn't, you couldn't just do that Tuesdays and Thursdays where would God be Monday, Wednesday and Friday uh, so it has to be always you could only be the chariot you could only be the chariot for God's presence if you are always that way you're always going to be that way. Likewise, were all the prophets after that, each according to the station of his soul, the degree of his apprehension, the rank of our teacher Moshe, peace to him surpassed them all, for concerning him it was said, the Sheena speaks out of Moses' throat. So that, that after the Abot came all of the prophets. And what, it, what is remarkable about these prophets is, they, especially the significant ones, is that they were always prophets, even though they may not be prophesying at this moment. But as the Rabbam explained, and as all the other Rishonim agree, that somehow a, a prophecy is not a de facto arrangement with God but it's an a priori arrangement in which you climb the ladder to prophecy, and then it doesn't matter really if you receive a prophecy what matters is that you've drawn yourself closer and closer to God, and that you're able to maintain that relationship it's like a relationship, right so then he says uh, and, and of course they were all that way, except for Moshe who surpassed them all Something of this union, something of this union, the Israelite experienced at Mount Sinai, but they could not endure it. As the rabbis say, as each divine utterance, their souls took flight. I mean, that, you remember, Moshe Rabbeinu is on the mountain, B'nai Israel are like next to the mountain. And they hear the voice of God. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says to them later on, and they the, the say, you want to come back on the mountain, we'll get the Torah? And they say, no, you go. You go and get the Torah. And we will stay here and wait for you to come down. And then when you come down, you'll teach us the Torah. That's what, that's what they said. So, so he, he, the Balatanya says, uh, the rabbis say, at each divine utterance, their souls took flight when God was teaching the Ten Commandments to B'nai Israel, they just couldn't, they couldn't stand it the, the, the closest to God was so overwhelming the light was so great it was impossible for them to stand there in that place right uh, which is an indication of the extinction of their existence of which we spoke of, above they, they would have to commit suicide to stand at the mountain facing facing God, therefore God had once commanded that a sanctuary be made for him therefore what 's there for I mean there's like a kid like, because what I just said this is what happened. what did I just say that the Israel were unable to put up with the presence of God, they were just unable to draw on that inner strength that is necessary in order to become a prophet in order to be the one who is close to God as opposed to all the other people in the world they couldn't do it and since they couldn't do it they, therefore God at once commanded that a sanctuary be made for him with the Holy of Holies for the presence of Shekida which is the revelation of blessed unity as will be explained later so now what happened? What happened that the ultimate confrontation with God takes place on Yom HaKippurim between the Kohen who enters the Holy of Holies, but before he enters the Holy of Holies, what does he do? He, he sacrifices the Ketoret. Ketoret? What's a Ketoret? What? An incense offering. And what happens when you give the incense offering? What happens? The room becomes full of smoke. And what happens in the room becomes full of smoke? You can't see. What? You can't see. You can't what? Oh, breathe. Ah, breathe. That's allergies. That doesn't what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that the Kohen Gadot Representing all of the Jewish people and reenacting what happened on Harsinai to a certain time right there's the Aron, right, the Ark, and in the Ark is the Torah, and the that all goes in, but he can't see anything. That's the best we can do. That was what the compromise apparently was between the Moshe Rabbeinu who said, Come on up on the mountain and we'll receive the Torah, and B'nai Israel said, We can't. We can't take the light, we can't take the, the, the teaching direct from God. So the compromise was, the compromise was, build a Mishkan. It's got walls, and it's got rooms, and it has the Torah in an ark. And everything is covered up, and when the Kohen Gadol goes in there on Yom HaKippurim, he really can't see. He can't see what it is that he's looking at, so to speak. And except for that day, except for that person, no one goes into the sanctuary. So the sanctuary does the two things, according to the Bible, does two things. Just like when they stood at the mountain, they received the Torah, they were receiving the Torah. Right? So there was nothing that was stopping them. There was nothing between them and and the presence of God. And that was impossible. So now... The Torah, the giving of the Torah, which moved to the sanctuary, moved to the to the idea of the. As the Ramban says, the Rebbe de they all say that that that, that, that after Batan Torah they built the Mishkan, and that the Mishkan was somehow uh, reminiscent of Har Sinai. It was like Har Sinai. Well, what was in Har Sinai? What was in the Mishkan? So what did the Balatanya the Mishkan represents acceptance of the fact that B'nai Yisrael can't do it not that we think today we say oh you know it's so holy I don't want to go there it's so holy so you can't go there you can't go there Moshe Rameinu could go there but you can't go there and that's what, that's what happens that line again God at once commanded that a sanctuary be made for him with the Holy of holies for the presence of Mishkina which is the revelation of his blessed unity, as will be explained later on. In other words, it's covered up, but it's there. It's all covered up. You can't see it, you can't be part of it, but it's all. you can't go in all year long. Now he says, truly an amazing thing. But since the temple was destroyed, the Holy One, blessed be he, has no other sanctuary or established place for his inhabitation, that is, for his blessed unity. Than the four cubits of halacha. This is what says in the Gemara. Right? Four, four cubits of, of halacha means the details. That now that there's no Beit HaMikdash, And there's no way to have that experience. And even though we can't have the experience of being with God, the unity of God, but we get it in in the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash we get it in a secondary way. The coin Gadol represents us, goes in, the Ketoret, the cloud, right? We get all that, but now we don't have that either. We don't have that either. So what are we to do? He says there's only the four cubits of halacha. That's what's left that if you want to have the experience of being with God you have to learn the details of Halakha which is his blessed will and wisdom is embodied in the laws which have been set out for us therefore after contemplating deeply on the subject of this self-nullification discussed above according to his capacity let the person reflect in his heart as follows it is much a person have to think of this is my intelligence and the root of my soul are too limited a capacity to constitute a chariot that a boat for his blessed unity and perfect truth since my mind cannot at cannot at all conceive and apprehend him with any manner or degree of apprehension in the world nor even an iota of the apprehension of the patriarchs and the prophets If this be so I shall make for him a tabernacle and habitation by engaging in the study of the Torah as my time permits as appointed times by day and night in accordance with the law which was given to each individual in the laws concerning the study of the Torah and the rabbi stated even one chapter in the morning so now have you got it? Have you got it? So, so uh, you would know, ask this question. You could ask this question, like, how do we live without this? How do we live without a tablet? He says, "Well, we have an alternate path to the experience of being with God, and that alternate path, that alternate path, is Talmud Torah." That's what he says. Talmud Torah is not just a way of. uh, uh, First of all, Talmud Torah is information that we need in order to do the mitzvot. You have to study the Torah, right? Everybody understands that the introduction to Smad, he says, as far as the question of women learning Torah, there was such a question in the world about women learning Torah. He says, well, I don't know what the question is because women have to do mitzvot. In order to do mitzvot, you have to learn about them. You can't just do mitzvot easily without, without studying about So certainly they have to learn the Torah. So you could say, do the women have to learn the Torah about sacrifices today? Maybe not. Have to. I didn't say they shouldn't or that they should. But I said maybe they don't have to because it's not something that's pressing. It's not something which we have to respond to. The building of the, of the Beit HaMikdash. But here he says something wonder, wondrous. But you may not have. I shall make for him a tabernacle and habitation. Right? In other words, even though the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed, the idea of the Beit HaMikdash is not destroyed according to the Balatanya that can't be it can't be that the command that was given by Moshe to Israel, which then turned into the building of the Beit HaMikdash that that command disappeared when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed there has to be some way some interim way of maintaining our devotion to the command of Moshe Rabbeinu Vasuli Mikdashu Shachanti B'Tocham. There's got to be a Shachanti B'Tocham in the world today, according to the Balatanya. And what is that? Right? He says, He, he says, the degree of apprehension in the world, nor even a Iota of the apprehension of the patriarchs and the prophets, the people who were able to stand with God. If this be so, I shall make for him a tabernacle and habitation by engaging in the study of the Torah as my time permits. Imagine that. I mean, you know that there's a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. There is such a mitzvah. You have to study the Torah. There's another mitzvah. You have to build the Victor Mikdash, Mishkan. There's another mitzvah. According to according to the Balatanya, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's true that the Beit HaBidash was destroyed. But it's also true that, that learning Torah is a spiritual adventure. It's a, it's a way that you test who you are and what you are about. And whether you can come close to the degree of Moshe Rabbeinu and the Prophets... Whether you have any connection to that idea, according to the Balatanya, that's that's the reality. The reality is that the Torah takes the place takes the place of the experience of the Beit HaMikdash uh, in accordance with the law that was given to each individual laws concerning the study of the Torah and as the Rabbi stated even one chapter in the morning and you know as an aside the, the uh, the Balatanya wrote a Aruch. Aruch. It's like what we would call a Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. It just uh, tells you what you should do. And in the Kitsuh Shulchan Aruch, it's it's Orachayim, and most of Yoradeya and Ebenezer and Khoshmi, the things that are relevant. Orachaim is all relevant. But the other the other uh, volumes he he uh, put in the relevant parts. So in Yordeya there's a section called Hilchot Talmud al and that's the only section. That's the only section of the entire Shulchan that the Balatanya wrote again. He wrote it out, and then he wrote these very long footnotes explaining his position because he thought that the was, uh, was so important. And here he says, here he says, chapter thirty-four. You read chapter thirty-four? The Talmud Torah equals the Mishkan. Talmud Torah equals the Beit Hamikdash, even though it doesn't look that way. But since the purpose of both of these elements are the same, the purpose of the Beit HaMikdash and the purpose of Talmud Torah are exactly the same. And that is to come closer to God through activity, through what you're doing, through the way, you are, the, the, the way that you are living. And that's what the Balatanya uh, say. He says, in this way, I'm continuing his heart will be glad and he rejoice and offer praise and thanks for his portion with a joyous and happy heart that he is merited to act host to the Almighty twice daily to limit at his available time according to the capacity which has been generously bestowed upon him by God so you see that you see that it creates simfa, and it creates understanding and it creates closeness to God all of this is Talmud Torah so that even if a person is not engaged in the professional side of Talmud Torah it's not going to be a rabbi, it's not going to be a dayan or she, it's not going to be a rabbi it's not going to be a dayan but the importance of Talmud Torah is not determined by your career choice you, know, you, you learn Torah because it, it affects the quality of your life Not because it gets you a job. It may get some people a job. But most people will not be able to get a job based on the Torah that they learn. Okay. Okay. Father, you twice daily. So does that mean literally twice daily? Like you should be learning twice a day? It says here, to act as close to you'll learn twice daily. Does mean to learn twice a day? the passage in sh- Yoshua. No I'm, just, no, I'm just reading here what the. Time. I know, but I'm just telling you something oh, that might okay. be okay. Oh, okay. important. The passage in says, Yeah, yeah, yes. okay. Right? Yeah. So Yom Olila is twice during okay. the day. Yes. That's what he's referring to. Okay. Great. Even though, I mean, you can learn all day and all night, but, but uh, right. it's usually seen that you have to learn a little bit during the day and a little bit during the night to fulfill. That particular that particular obligation. Let's do a little bit more, and if God will lavish upon him yeah, a yet fuller measure, then he who has clean hands will increase his efforts and a good intention. In other words, if you get a little bit out of Talbatar, you get a little bit something. Like you say, gee, that was a good cheer or something like that. So then it'll encourage you to do a little bit more to think about it. Job comes up, you know, these things they they. They kind of roll along like, uh, like a snow, like snowballs. And even the remainder of the day when he is engaged in commerce, he will provide a dwelling for him through the giving of charity out of the proceeds of his labor, which one of the divine qualities, as he is compassionate and, and as written in the Tikkunim, Tikkunim a part of the Zohar, that kindness is the right hand. In other, in, in other words, what happens is that the person learning Torah will look for other ways to keep close to God. And staka is one of the main subjects of this, of this uh, attempt because staka uh, doesn't have, doesn't have a real, real limits. It's not delineated anyway. So that, that if you feel that you should take up the challenge of staka, then you will. And, and that's what happens. That's what happens if you learn the Torah. And even though he distributes no more than a fifth part, his fifth carries the other fourth part with it up to God. So all you have to do in start is give a fifth. Nevertheless, it changes everything. It changes the reality of your, of your bank balance to provide a dwelling for him, blessed be he. As is known from the rabbinic statement that the commandment of charity is balanced against all the sacrifices. And though the sacrifices, all living creatures were elevated to God through the offering of one beast, all plants through the that of the one tenth of measure of the meal mingled with oil, oil and so and so forth. In other words, giving sacrifices changes the the world. Your attitude to the animals, your attitude to the play, to plants. Apart from this, apart from this. At the time of study and prayer, there ascends unto God everything one has eaten and drunk and enjoyed of all the other four parts for the health of the body, as we'll explain later. Finally, all the above-mentioned particulars regarding the diverse joys of the soul do not preclude the person from considering himself shameful and loathsome, or from having a contrite heart and humble spirit you shouldn't take yourself too seriously and understand that you have to improve at the very time of the joy for the sense of shame is occasioned by the aspect of the body and animal soul whilst this joy comes from the aspect of the divine soul and the spark of godliness that is clothed therein and animates it as been discussed above after this manner it is stated in the Zohar weeping is lodged on one side of my heart and joy is lodged on the other side so that joy doesn't wipe out wipe out weeping but uh, joy makes it possible you think of yourself as improving so if I would just summarize the things we talked about tonight Uh, we said that the parashiyot of Ayakob Pekude according to Rashi was said on Yom Kippurim when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Arzina, which left us with the question again of what Truman and Zaver were were about. The fact that we say that's what the Tanhuma explained to us that the fact that we say Vayachol after the Ego is because the the uh, the Mishkan the Tabernacle had to be be a vehicle for atonement because they needed atonement after the Chet ego so we would have to say that the parashiyot of Truba and Tzaveh somehow are connected to Mishpatim, and not only laws of Ben Adam between one person and another but also laws that uh, apply to the uh, tabernacle uh, were said to Moshe Abenu at that time and then the Vasuli Mikdash that's the chidush of the, of the uh, tabernacle that God dwells therein. that even though God is every place once you build the Mishkan God is also some place and that some place is called the Mishkan which eventually turns into the into the Beit HaMikdash along comes the, uh, the Balatanya and he says that Matan Torah uh, represents a moment in which all of Bede Yisrael were on the level of the Avot and the Nevi'im. And they couldn't put up with that level, so they backed off. But as a result, God said, okay, we're going to have a, a kind of a Matan Torah situation in the Mishkan. We'll build the Mishkan. The Mishkan will have an old the old Mo'eh, the Kodesh Kadashiv, Moshe Rabbeinu, we Will be able to go in, and Aaron Akon will go on Yom Kippurim, and, uh, and uh, experience for us this confrontation with God, which will not be a Moshe Rabbeinu confrontation, but it will be a, a confrontation that the people of Israel can somehow sympathize with. Finally, the Balatanya says, "Now we don't have a Beit Hamikdash, but we cannot deny ourselves the experience." Of trying to be like Moshe Rabbeinu, trying to be like those prophets, and that experience—that experience is somehow connected, according to him, to Talmud Torah, because Talmud Torah is what you know—you have to use your mind and your spirit and your uh, and your body in order to produce uh, a reasonable results to your Torah study. So Talmud Torah becomes in place of the. Of the uh, Beit HaMikdash. You know the Gemara says, and we, we do it every morning. The Gemara says that... Uh, uh, it, it says about Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu. God promised Avram Avinu land and progeny. Right? He had a lot of children, etc. But he get Eretz Yisrael. So about Eretz Yisrael, Avram Avinu said, Bama ki irashenu how do I know, so Chazal said, well what, what is that God says you're going to get it, so you're going to get it what is he saying so the uh, the Gemara Tanis uh, presents a conversation between God and Aram Avinu and Avram Avinu says well what happens if they sin I mean they're going to lose the land that's what says in the Torah, that if you sin you're, you're out so uh uh, the Kodesh says well you know they'll still have this love that, but what if they sin so much that, they, that, the, that the temple is destroyed and then they won't be able to find atonement for whatever they do wrong and so that they'll never get back to Eretz Yisrael so God says to Abraham if they learn the parsha, if they study the Torah of the Karbanot, I will credit them in heaven as though they gave the korbanot. And this is the idea that the Balatanya expands upon. He says, it's not just a formalistic thing. I can't bring a korban khatas, but I can learn the parasha of chatas, and therefore God will will forgive me. No, no. By learning the parasha of chatas, you elevate yourself to the level of someone who could go into the Beit Hamikdash and confront and confront the reverse. Have a uh, oh, have a good chance.